Welcome back to another episode of the Event Buzz podcast by Purple Pass. I am so excited to introduce our next guest, CEO of a concert production company with over 200 artists, bands, and acts booked worldwide. They've grown from putting on local shows around the state of Arizona to now offering entertainment options both nationally and internationally. The company is also well known for their hands-on commitment to providing productions from start to finish. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about their journey this past year, events they were able to put on during COVID-19 and ones currently running today. The word concert hasn't been thrown around in a while, an experience I'm sure most of us are missing right about now. I know I am. So let's jump in and talk about their productions and how they've been hosting safe concerts during the pandemic with tips for other promoters out there listening who are also ready to get back into the game and put on their own productions again. Hi, Terry. Thanks for coming on to our podcast. We are so excited to have you. Let's get started. How has your week been going so far? I know it just started. Uh, it's uh, it's good. I spent last week in Mexico, so yeah. I'm kind of coming down from the vacation mode. But yes. it's all good. Yeah, that sounds sounds so nice. So let's just start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and just telling them about TAD management and the support you guys offer and your role with the company. Yeah, well, my name is Terry Davies. I'm the CEO of TAD management. Our headquarters are here in Phoenix and we have offices uh, in uh, New Zealand, in Fort Lauderdale and over in London. Uh, over here in Phoenix is where we began very, very small 12 years ago, um, doing um, really kind of small tribute shows and really just getting that genre going. And from there, it's just developed and grown exponentially up until last year, that is. <laughs> and um, the, about four years ago, we entered into the cruise entertainment uh, industry. And now we've become one of the biggest players in that market, providing uh, headlining entertainment to the cruise ships when they are allowed to sail again. Awesome. Yeah. Can I can I ask where you're from? Yeah, I'm from Manchester in England originally, um, but I've uh, I've actually spent about gosh about 35 years of my life in in the U.S. But still still hold on to the accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like. I just. I love traveling. I've been a few places in Europe and Australia. And whenever I hear someone, because I'm, I think I'm so travel deprived. I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Aren't we all? Yeah. I'm just waiting. Okay. Sorry. I was just so curious. Okay. So, how has your life been during the pandemic? Basically, how, especially like when it first started, like what happened? Well, it's it's crazy, really. We um. I told you there's two facets of our uh, company. One is cruise on, on the sea and one is land. And on land, uh, we normally do about 2,500 shows a year, uh, in somewhere in that range, 1,500 to 2,500, depending on the type of venue. And um, it just came to a grinding halt. And we started getting whispers of it in February. Um, beginning of March, things started to cancel started to get rescheduled for the next month. And then it was, well, maybe not now. And then by the time mid-April came around, we'd had uh, about 900 uh, shows canceled, just completely pulled the rug from under us, just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, So then, you know, you navigate through the year and we've been trying all kinds of stuff just to stay relevant and pivoting here and there. And here we are a year later, 
just really seeing, wondering where we are in the whole scheme of things. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. Yes. Yeah, so I know looking online from what it looks like, you guys are currently doing events, correct? And you were, you've done events these past few months, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We've managed to um, work within um, the guidelines from each uh, varying uh, jurisdiction, whether it's the local town or the, or the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're doing everything from outdoor shows, um, big outdoor venues, uh, like golf course driving ranges, uh, mm-hmm. outdoor concerts in places that would normally hold maybe a thousand people. And we're putting 250 in there. Uh, I'm meeting all the guidelines, but, uh, golf cart kind of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the others are some of the venues that um, we basically four wall. So we'll rent the facility and bring all the infrastructure in from staging, lighting, ticketing, marketing, and so on. Uh, and those thousand seaters, uh, for example, in Lake Havasu, we've got 150 seats in a thousand seater. Uh, and we're doing two shows a day. So while it's not what we're all used to, it is 300 tickets and uh, musicians and performers and technicians are out there working, which was really was our prime objective at the beginning of this year to try to get the wheels turning again and get some people employed. Yeah, that's hard, too, because you do it nationally and internationally. So there's so many different protocols depending on the yeah, area. Absolutely. That's where it would be really tricky. What are some of the protocols you guys have been doing basically to get everyone in there, just limiting capacity, if you can, going outdoors, stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, well, we follow guidelines, which are mostly capacity-based. Mm-hmm. You can normally seat X amount of people and you know take that down to 25%. Mm-hmm. Or in some cases, in some, um, some uh, counties in Arizona, it's limited to 50 people. Um, so basically, we've recreated seating maps. Uh, where we've got at least six feet, but we we work on eight feet by eight feet grids. So we basically create an overhead grid of the space and put eight foot boxes, if you like, um, 16 square foot boxes. And we we just limit it like that. I actually got the idea from Dubai when I was over there watching the fountains at the Burj Khalifa. They've actually drawn um, rectangular boxes for people to stand in when they're watching the fountains and it's, it's very separated. Um, so we just take the square footage and put the boxes in there and that's how we see it. Uh, also, we now carry all our own sanitizing equipment. So mm-hmm. prior to any tech or performers arriving, we sanitize the stage and the backstage and dressing rooms and so on. And then before and between each show, we actually have, we, we call it our Ghostbuster unit, but it's a, <laughs> Just a backpack full of disinfectant, and uh, and we literally go through the entire venue uh, and spray. So it's just staying on top of those kind of things, mm-hmm. and of course the normal social distancing and everybody wearing a mask, and that's what we've been doing. Yeah, I feel like now events all have their own, like you said, Ghostbuster crew. They have their oh, own yeah. cleaning crews dedicated just to making sure everything is clean and ready to go for every single set. Absolutely. <laughs> it's definitely um, a, a, the biggest transition for events. There's another protocol we do too, which we did right at the beginning, and that was we do not share microphones at all now. We, um, we, we have a full stock of in-house microphones anyway, but now mm. we assign them to one person. Mm. Uh, 
and all people bringing their own microphones. So there's absolutely no microphone sharing at all, which also will limit, you know, this, this spread. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been putting on two different, like you have one show, but two performances, right? Yeah. Most of the time we've actually got a couple of venues that, that have asked for three performances, which is tough on the performers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to ask about that because I've actually talked to other promoters and they've kind of talked about doing that idea. I just wanted to ask if you had any suggestions for promoters that were planning on or looking into doing the two different performances for the first time, maybe yeah. like anything you've learned along the way that you could kind of tell them. Cause we do have a lot of people that were looking into doing that for capacity. Yeah. I think the biggest, the, the first challenge is the, the economics of, of the whole thing, you know, just, if you just use a, a hypothetical number of a thousand seats, well, the economics of running a venue and, and making sure the venue makes money, the ticket prices are a reasonable price. Uh, everybody's going to get paid. The talent's going to get paid. The promoter's going to get paid, et cetera. Well, that's easy to do with a thousand seats. But if that thousand is reduced to 150, now the economics don't work. And even if you do two shows, you're only at 30% of normal capacity. So that's the first challenge. It's been really difficult. And performers mm-hmm. have been asked to work twice as hard, and in some cases, three times as hard for the same money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the biggest fear for, for performers is that's going to be the new normal, um, that when we come out of this, that prices and fees are going to stay down there. So we've been working hard and being quite conscientious on making sure we can keep those numbers down uh, and make sure they don't stay there all the time. So when we come come back, things are going to get back to normal. So that's one of the first um, challenges. The other challenge is everybody wants to see a show at 7.30, but not so much at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So the evening show always sells out. The 4 o'clock is usually a second choice. So be prepared for... Uh, the potential to have to market heavier or be prepared for lower numbers on your early show. Yeah. Um, and of course it depends on the, uh, the area, the demographic and the type of venue. Um, we, yeah. we do a lot of, um, we do a lot of concerts in over 55 communities. So for, for that demographic, you know, going to a one o'clock in the afternoon or a four o'clock in the afternoon show is not so bad as those people that are still out there working and need to do the things at night. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I mean, too, yeah. you could, there's a lot you could do. You could do like early bird discounts or specials just to get people interested in the the four, the four o'clock showing. But yeah, that, that is kind of brutal. 7.30 yeah. would be prime. <laughs> yeah. And those early, and the discounts are tough too. Um, be, again, because of the economics, because you're still at mm-hmm. maximum, a total sellout, you're still only working at 30%. Yeah. And that 30% number has to be spread over everybody. So it's difficult. It is difficult. It, yeah. We're all getting creative and trying to figure it out, but it's, yeah, we'll it's get hard. That. We're, we're getting there slowly, but it's yeah. been a crazy, crazy year. And then some. Yeah. Um, I also looked at your guys' website and I did find um, a area called the virtual showcases. Yeah. Um, so you guys are hosting virtual experiences. Is that correct? Well, yeah, the, the virtual showcase is a different thing. So we represent uh, just short of 300 um, entertainers, mm-hmm. whether that be um, tribute bands to magicians, to female vocalists, uh, to speciality acts. Again, a lot of them for the cruise ships. Uh, and so normally we would hold at least two, sometimes three 
um, what we call our expo every year. One would always be in Phoenix. Um, last year, we did one in Florida and London. Uh, the year before, in Florida. Uh, this year, we had one planned for Las Vegas, uh, where many talent bookers from around the country and sometimes around the world would fly in to watch 25, 30 artists perform 12 to 15-minute sets over two days in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gone away now. So we still needed a way to represent our artists and give them to the bookers for when things get back. That's where the virtual showcase oh, came. Oh, that's smart. So um, we have our own production facility here in Phoenix. So we've recorded some of them here and some of them we've taken uh, existing footage and re-edited it. And now we present them once a month. Uh, and those are all on our website and get shown on there. We've, we've done some virtual shows online. Mm-hmm. Um, Round about, I think round about May last year, we we went into the the online talk show uh, area and did our own talk show called Tad Talk, uh, where we we did about 130 episodes with varying different people from all over uh, all industries all over the world, and that was fun. Again, just trying to stay relevant, knowing mm-hmm. that people were watching a lot of things uh, online. Um, but as as the year went on. I think the interest in that dissipated and we're all really got our eyes on how do we get back to, uh, you know, putting bums in seats, as we say, and watching the shows in the live in the live uh, capacity. Yeah, we're getting close. I don't know. I feel it. We're getting close. We are. We are. So you guys did the virtual, well, Tad Talk, which is cool. For that, do you remember, would you know what software you guys used for that? Well, it depends. Uh, in terms of the production, we used OBS, which is widely mm-hmm. used uh, uh, around. It's a free uh, free platform, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful uh, way to get things done simply. Uh, but like I said, we have our own uh, studio here, so we have an eight-camera Blackmagic setup uh, uh, along with an ATEM switcher. So we did all that there, put everything through uh, OBS. At one point, we used a, a company called Restream, which was uh, allowed us to stream to uh, numerous platforms, including Facebook Live, YouTube channel, Twitch, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and that's basically the software we've been using. Um, but now, as most things are, uh, are um, free, um, we're just using our Facebook page and our YouTube channel um, to upload that virtual stuff online. I think the... Uh, the entertainment world, if you like, never really, never really grasped the idea of watching something on the TV is replacing something live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, uh, I think, we're just treading water in that in that area until we get back to normal. Yeah, I agree. I like to ask that question just because I always seem to get questions from other promoters that are trying to stay relevant, go online, and so everyone uses so many different softwares because there's so many out there. That's why yeah. I asked, but yeah, totally. I think we are all just like you said, we're treading, we're waiting because it right now we have like, we, we have a lot of um, theater groups and they're putting their productions online and that's great, but it's like, not the same. It's not ever going to be the same as being in person in that room with the people around you. So I think we are all just waiting it out. Yeah, absolutely. And waiting it out for about like a year and some extra months yeah, now, true. but <laughs> It's interesting. I'm in Arizona at the moment. Spring training starts this week, and we've got stadiums that seat 11, 12,000 people, and they are allowing 2,000, 2,500 to watch the game. 
So while that is frustrating for us in the in, in the entertainment industry, um, I think um, that it's a sign that they have to do the same for one industry as they do the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and if uh, if they can get twenty five hundred in a baseball stadium for a sports game, then they can get twenty five hundred in a baseball stadium for a concert also. So I'm hoping that's uh, that's another thing that will happen very soon. That's a that's a good point. And like no one can really argue with that because I didn't even think about that. The Super Bowl, there was a people there. So yeah. yeah, I had a little rant online as well with that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, I mean, that's the same. I feel like that sometimes when they kind of like the small businesses have been put through so much, but then we kind of we have Walmart and Target open. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there can, I don't think there could anything be any, any less healthy than walking through a Safeway for a yeah. on a Saturday. You know, but it's also the same with the cruise industry. I mean, if you got me started on that, uh, <laughs> such an unfair target of that industry, saying that it's uh, the CDC and saying that it's unsafe to sail, and yet the cruise ships are the only reason why they actually know uh, in actual numbers who had COVID back in March, April, February, or what time, and who didn't. If you were on a cruise ship anywhere around the world in that time, uh, everybody knew who was on the ship, mm-hmm. who came off the ship, who tested positive, who got sick, who died. Mm-hmm. And yet you don't have those numbers from Disneyland or hotels in Vegas or any other uh, mass areas, only the ships. And in fact, when we come back from this um, and they, things open up again, you're not going to know if you walk through a theme park or you walk through a casino if you're actually being exposed to COVID, but you will know exactly on a cruise ship if you're actually going to be in contact with it, with the contact tracing, if you actually go on there testing negative and come off testing positive. The cruise ships are actually going to be an amazing vehicle for us to know accurate numbers. So that's a whole other podcast I know. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, good point on that too. Because yeah, the cruise ships were hit hard, especially oh, in the yeah. very beginning. Yeah, it's terrible. It's uh, it's it's crippled that industry like no one would believe. But mm-hmm. not just the ships too. Um, there are cruise ports around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places like Skagway in Alaska that is uh, on the brink of complete um, devastation because most of uh, the income that comes into that town is from cruise ships. And now it's been gone for two years. So they're on the verge of not having a town anymore. That's yeah, so that's, sad. that's so sad. And you think about, I mean, yeah, I could go into this all day because you have cruise ships. You think about, um, okay, it's now you're affecting the employees. You have the performers. They're all out of work. And then I always think about with the schools being like shut down. I think about the seniors when it, it was their last year. And right. everything they missed out on, uh, seniors that were waiting for like sports for, um, uh, what is it called? Um, what is it called? I, I can't think of it. When you, um, the end of the, uh, the end of the school year, the well, like athletes to get to college. Right. I, I know I, what you mean. But... I am blanking. That is so bad. <laughs> so a scholarship, that? a scholarship. That was bad. <laughs> the athletes that were like, depend. Depending on those scholarships, and then it's just like, now what? No, exactly. I mean, that's so there, sad. There is a whole argument, and again, the hypocrisy of, mm-hmm. of sports, and I'm a big sports fan, 
But if you can allow 2,000 people in for a spring training game, Mm -hmm. you can allow 2,000 in to watch your kids graduating from high school. Yeah. Uh, You know, so. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, I could get into a whole other thing (laughs) with that. Um, But okay, we'll switch it up. I had one more question for you guys, because I know you guys are kind of a one-stop shop. You do everything. You, You help set up from start to finish. You also offer like marketing advice, correct? That's correct. So I wanted to just ask you really quickly um, for event promoters listening, should they be taking a different approach on marketing their events when it comes to COVID or during this time or while people are still unsure about events? So how, like how have you guys kind of changed your approach during the pandemic? Um, How our approach has changed over the last two or three years, but not sure anything's to do with the pandemic the um the importance of uh social media now can't be overstated uh, in the old days you'd buy a billboard or newspaper ads or radio ads and for us that's nearly gone um just about 90 percent of our marketing budget goes on social media and on easily accessible um ticket purchases so the use of qr codes is um is front and foremost for us every single poster that we put out now has a qr code that's a direct link to a ticket purchase um that's the single biggest thing people walk around with the phones in their hand so how better to get them to buy a ticket than to say click here and say yes mm-hmm. yeah it's i agree to buy tickets. so that's really the only change as far as marketing concerts now um it, nothing's really changed because we've only just started pulling them back up again uh but uh yeah um that's that's really all that's changed in the marketing area yeah i agree and it's tough too because people that are super traditional and they don't really want to make the change to everything being online like you said everyone has their phones in their hands it sucks because i kind of wish our society wasn't like that but to grow you got to evolve with what everyone's doing yeah. So it's it's like you got to be on social media right now. If you're not, you, it's not gonna. You're not gonna make a profit, or no one's. Well, gonna and, and, yeah, and, and marketing, uh, marketing has been all about. Uh, I've been all about getting to the masses, and uh, I mean, I'm 62, so I grew up in the days of there was no cell phones, and um, you know, you'd pay phone, and even things like party lines where you'd share a telephone mm-hmm. line with your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, if you want to reach the masses, I mean, you can, if you've got a decent following on Instagram, uh, Facebook, or whatever, you can reach a million people in 24 hours. It's Couldn't crazy. do it before. Yeah, it's insane. Social media is wild. The influencers, all that stuff is just, it's, it's a crazy, um, it's a crazy channel that you could use. Yeah, but. exactly. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for talking and taking your time out to talk with me. and. If there's anything else you want to put out there to let other listeners know, other event professionals, any advice you might have, you don't have to. But yeah, I mean, just just um, don't don't get disillusioned. You know, this is a it's a it's a big speed bump, but it is just a speed bump. We'll come out of this, and there will be a new normal. Some things will be worse. Some things will be better. Mm-hmm. Most things will be the same. And just stay uh, really, really positive. Mm-hmm.